0: Um, I just want to extend my own welcome. I'm seeing so many new faces here today. And like Jesh said, I'm uh, Katya. I have the joy of leading the team here. And it's just wonderful to have you all here with us today. I am so excited about this morning. I'm gonna be speaking on something uh, that maybe, when I tell you what it is, you might think is a little bit unusual for me to be excited about it. Um, But I'm continuing the series that we're doing on the Book of Acts. We've had a few weeks where we've talked about the promise of the Spirit. We've talked about the power of the Spirit. Last week, Jesh preached on prayer and how that moves the community. And today, we're gonna be doing the fourth P because everyone knows that alliteration makes Everything more spiritual. The fourth P, which is persecution. Oh, silence in the room. I'm so excited about how God is going to sharpen our faith this morning. And um, I'm just going to speak for about 10, 15 minutes, and then we're going to have an interview this morning, and I'll introduce that in a few minutes. But first, let's just read together. I'm going to read a couple of verses from 1 Peter, and then I'm going to read a story that is historical fact recorded in Acts 4. But first, Peter says, beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial. This is speaking into a context of intense persecution to the early church. Don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's suffering that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted for the name of Christ, you're blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Okay, let's read Acts 4. I'm gonna pick through this account just for the sake of time. We've seen that Peter and John have been preaching together. They've seen a miracle happen and then they start preaching and as they were speaking to the people, notice that it's not the miracle that starts the persecution story, it's the teaching of Jesus' name that starts the persecution story. That's important. The priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed why because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in jesus the resurrection from the dead persecution does not happen or it's not counted as persecution if we're just obnoxious if you're obnoxious and people are insulting you i want to just tell you stop being obnoxious (laughs) That's very simple. Sometimes Christians, their methodology is just rude and argumentative. And then they say, oh, I counted a joy that I was persecuted. No, we never see in scripture people being persecuted because they were annoying, rude, and obnoxious. That's not what merits persecution. So let's get that right. Our methodology, (laughs) I'm starting straight away, people. There's no lag time here. We're jumping straight in. They're persecuted because they preach the name of Jesus. I want us to recognize too, that preaching the name of Jesus was an essential part of them bringing the kingdom. I am all for us demonstrating the kingdom before preaching it. But if all we do is demonstrate and stay silent, we're doing half of what it means to bring the kingdom of God. And for too long, Christians have become less and less courageous in speaking the name of Jesus. And we justify it by saying, my actions speak louder than my words. That's not how it works in the New Testament. Your actions hold hands with your words and they both go together. And it's crucial that we do that because if not, we won't fully be bringing the kingdom. won't fully see the fruit of the kingdom and in fact we'll never experience persecution and we'll wonder wow I'm just one of those Christians who's going under the radar exactly you're one of those Christians who no one is fully identifying as Christian because you might be doing the acts of the kingdom but you're shy about saying the words of the kingdom we want to do both in this community we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus we want to go on the streets and love the poor and heal the sick but notice it wasn't the miracle that got them in trouble it was when they said this miracle happened by the name of Jesus that's what changed and we as a community do not want to shy away from the name of Jesus we want to be a community who say I belong to Christ whatever that might make you think of me I want you to know that I belong to Christ but the other way is also true we don't want to be a community who just speak and never do who describe the beauty and the power of Jesus, but are never able to demonstrate the power and beauty of Jesus. They go together. Anyway, we're preaching here this morning, and they arrested them. The proclamation of the name of Jesus and his resurrection. Don't water it down. He was a good man. He's so full of love, but we're not going to talk about his death and resurrection because that makes it weird. No, it's the power of God, that, the death and resurrection. We want to speak these things. And they arrested them, put them in custody until the next day for it was already evening. But many of those who heard the word believed. If we don't speak, we rob people of the opportunity to believe. We leave them with a miracle, but no, um, no breadcrumbs to believing. Don't do that. Don't rob the world of the opportunity to believe the hope that they've just witnessed. Many who heard the word believed, and the number of men came to be about 5,000. And then they get in front of the priests. We won't read this bit, but they're questioned. Peter is filled with the Holy Spirit. That's important for us to recognize in the moment of persecution, there's the power of the Spirit that comes upon him. He's able to preach to them and the men they they don't know what to do verse 13 now when they saw the boldness of peter and john and perceived that they were uneducated common men they were astonished this is why i am so adamant that what god builds in this community has to be undoubtedly a work of god so that everyone outside will look in and say this doesn't make sense when you do the math on this group of people i am not interested in us building a church that we can build by our own strength i am not interested in people non-christians being able to look in and go oh yeah well obviously she's got a managing gift she's managing a few people this person's got a very enigmatic leader over here that's not what's gonna bring the kingdom of heaven. We want God to so build his church, which is his promise and his responsibility, not ours, by the way. We just come with our hunger and our willingness. We want Jesus to so build his church in this place that the city of Boston will look at us and go, it doesn't make sense. These are just uneducated, normal people. These are just people who could not do what is happening. And then they turn to Jesus because of it. They saw that they were just normal men. And they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. I wonder if men and women recognize that you and I have been with Jesus. I wonder if people see your life and recognize, who are you spending time with? What is happening? They recognize they've been with Jesus. But seeing the man who was healed beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. The miracle spoke for itself. And then they tell them, don't, don't speak to, uh, to anyone more about his name. But Peter and John say to them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. I spoke a couple of weeks ago that there are no second-hand witnesses. In a court of law, you don't have a witness who didn't actually see the crime, but they heard someone else talk about the crime. No lawyer would ever have a witness who hadn't actually been a first-hand witness. But many of us are trying to speak of what someone else has seen and heard, but that's not what it means to be a Christian. We spend time with Jesus so that we speak of what we have seen and heard. Yes, your testimonies sharpen my faith and build hunger in me so that I can go to Jesus and see the very same things, but your testimonies are not enough for me to live on. I have to see, I have to hear, so that we can speak of what we have seen and heard. And they further threatened them, but they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. Sometimes we think it's too late for God. This man had been waiting for a miracle for a long time. Don't give up on what you're hoping for. Yeah, yeah. When they were released, they went to their friends. Isn't it good to have Christian community to go back to? They went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and the elders had said to him. Said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth sovereign Lord. They're saying you reign above it all in that moment of persecution. What the, the ground that they stand on is, we serve a sovereign God. No matter what these human beings might say or do, we approach a God who reigns above it all. Sovereign Lord who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. Who through the mouth of our father David, your servant said by the Holy Spirit, why did the Gentiles rage? And the people plot in vain the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his anointed for truly in this city they were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus. They're understanding that right now in that moment of persecution they are identifying with Jesus who himself was persecuted and insulted and hurt and broken and beaten and put to death whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats. Look upon their threats and annihilate the enemy. Some people pray like that about persecution. Doesn't work in scripture. Look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. Notice they understand the responsibility. Our responsibility to speak, your responsibility to stretch out your hand, Lord. I understand my job. I also understand yours, and I'm believing you for yours, God, while I step into what I'm called to. Speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. I want to talk about two things the promise and the posture of persecution. The first thing, the promise, there's two aspects of this. One, persecution is guaranteed for the believer. One Peter that we read together, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. I wanna tell you, church, you're all like, why did I come to this meeting this morning? This doesn't sound fun. Hi, if you're a Christian, Read the fine print. I'm telling you the fine print. There are promise after promise after promise in scripture. Do not be surprised at persecution. It is part and parcel of being a people of another kingdom. That's the reality. Jesus says it, don't be surprised. What they do to me, they'll do to you. Don't be surprised. What 2 Timothy says, indeed all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will Be persecuted. Now the persecution might look different for some than others. But the point is this. So many of us Christians are living life with such a mentality of being peacemakers. And I want you to understand me. Being peacemakers is good. It's a godly thing. But it's actually tipping into being people pleasers. And we look at persecution as something so to be avoided that we dumb down our message in order to avoid it. If you're doing the Christian walk, you cannot avoid it. Avoid persecution of one form or another. It is a promise in scripture. Just get comfortable with it. It's just part of it. And it might not look like someone beating you to death or stoning you. It might. We're going to hear about that a little bit in a moment. It might. But it might look like you just don't get that promotion. Because they know you're a Christian and they just don't like that. It might be that someone just insults you. It might, might be that someone yells, whatever it is. It will look different, but if we are uncompromisingly walking out our faith, persecution is just part of the deal. That's the first promise. The second promise of persecution is that it is attached with so many miracles that it makes it so worth it. If you read in these scriptures... Holy Spirit power is attached to being the moment of persecution there's a promise in scripture don't worry what you will say in that hour because the spirit will give you words Jesus is teaching his disciples you don't need to get anxious about persecution you don't need to worry about it beforehand in the moment of persecution Holy Spirit will deposit to you all that you need all of the provision for that moment you shouldn't worry about what will it look like will i be able to stand up to no don't worry about it that's the teaching of scripture understand anticipate that in moments of difficulty the holy spirit is going to give you power like you wouldn't believe in order to lead your words in order to lead your actions that is the promise of persecution it is attached with miracles it comes hand in hand you look at the book of acts every time you see persecution you see fruit Every time. Persecution that's intended to damp down the church is actually part of the cultivating seed to make the church flourish. If you look throughout church history, every nation that has experienced persecution has experienced revival. They go hand in hand, why? Because persecution inherently carries miraculous promise. I wanna say to you church, we don't need to be afraid. Don't look for it, that's just us being obnoxious. If you look for something, if you pick a fight, it does not have the same fruit as when it just happens by the power of the Spirit in your life. So don't pick a fight. But if we walk out in all godliness, our faith, moments of persecution will be attached with moments of power and miracles. It's just the promise that God gives us. Not only is it numbers that they see, not only is it the power of the spirit, they experience incredible, miraculous joy. So many of the stories that you read in Acts, these historical uh, accounts of the early church, they walk away rejoicing, why? That is not humanly possible. No human being got beat and then walks out laughing, unless they're insane or they're full of the power of the spirit and there's miraculous joy attached to the moment there's miraculous peace attached to the moment and again we will hear stories of miracles being attached to persecution so i want us to understand as a community it's just something that happens because you belong to a different kingdom but it's not something to be worried about because there is power that god implants into even enemy methodology what the enemy thinks is going to bring victory for him in fact brings defeat because there's so much miraculous power of the spirit present that's the promise and then what is their posture i want to do this quickly because i want to get to the interview for a second but posture they pray together They pray not the annihilation of their enemies. They understand their battle is not against flesh and blood. I want us to be really clear, human beings are not your enemy. Human beings all over the world that persecute Christians, even putting them to death, they are not your enemy. They are not my enemy. They are not Jesus' enemy. We do not battle against flesh and blood. And so we don't pray the annihilation of people. That would be reasonable if you were operating in human power but in the moment of persecution as the people of God, we're not invited to operate in human power. We're invited to operate in Holy Spirit power and Holy Spirit operates in such forgiveness and generosity and mercy and kindness that they don't go home and pray immediately for the death of the high priest. How dare he come against the people of God? I hear Christians praying like this sometimes and it scares me because they've not understood the heart of the father at all towards those who are so broken that they do not understand the kingdom of light when they encounter it no these believers they pray they pray not against them they pray for internal boldness and i want us to see that they pray the whole community prays for the whole communities to be bold right now only peter and john have been persecuted what they don't do is say oh peter and john come into the circle we're all going to surround you We're gonna pray for you to have courage and then we're gonna send you out. Sometimes I see Christians praying like this. In fact, I remember a prayer meeting that I don't think will ever, ever leave my mind. I was so horrified at that prayer meeting. We were praying for the persecuted church and a guy stood up and he thanked God, persecuted church in another country. And the guy stood up and he thanked God for the blessing of persecution. And he said, no, we know the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And so we just pray more persecution, Lord, give them boldness. And I thought that is so unbiblical because when you see prayer around persecution, it's not an us and them scenario as if we're shoving a Christian into the jaws of a lion as long as we're over here safe. But we pray as the people of God, for boldness for us as the people of God. When we're gonna pray for the persecuted church in a moment, they might be experiencing more persecution than we are as a community right now. Our prayers are not gonna be, oh, give those poor Christians over there some courage. Thank God that we don't experience persecution ourselves, of course, few. What we're gonna pray is, God, give your body, them and us, courage and boldness give us the ability to stand up and preach the gospel with all boldness no shame no embarrassment why because we're one body we're not thanking God that we've missed the bullet we're saying give me the courage to stand up in the same way that I'm praying for them to does this make sense this is not an us and them this is an all of us that's the posture of persecution We bless our enemies. Matthew 5, pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who hurt you. That's our posture. Bless them, God. What is the biggest blessing that they could have? That they would know God. These people who think that they are operating in some kind of whatever, let them know you, Jesus. We bless them to know you. And we pray for boldness for ourselves. We operate in forgiveness. We generously give forgiveness for those who hurt us. That's the posture of persecution. This is the Sunday morning podcast from The Table Boston, where you'll find the latest teachings from our Sunday meetings. Find more from us at thetableboston.com.